Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Molly Carmel, an eating disorder and addiction therapist and your coaching guide. On my show, What You're Craving, we get to the real root of your problems when it comes to food, weight, dieting, and beyond. Through honest conversations with a crew of my favorite experts and friends, we'll expand our minds, we'll learn, we'll laugh, we'll even heal. Get ready to break open and break through. I've got your back big time. And together, we'll figure out what you're really craving. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. It's no secret that COVID-19 has challenged small businesses everywhere to rethink the brick and mortar business model. With physical retail locations temporarily closed and e-commerce on the rise, it has been crucial for small businesses to pivot to digital to weather the pandemic. By the numbers, online sales grew by nearly 50% at the peak of the pandemic and experts are predicting the shift will likely be permanent. According to a recent survey, 41% of consumers are currently shopping via social media, and 51% say they'll continue using in-app shopping post-COVID. Bank of America recently released their yearly survey of small business owners in the 2021 Small Business Owner Report. Their research found that business owners have started to regain their footing as economic confidence, business revenue expectations, and hiring plans bounce back significantly from levels seen in the fall. For example, 50% of small business owners are confident the national economy will improve, up significantly from 37% last fall. And 60% expect their revenue to increase, up even more than 34% last fall. So good news all around. To address the impact of the pandemic, business owners tapped into various funding sources to stay afloat and made operational changes that they anticipate will continue moving forward. 
More than half of small business owners tapped into funding sources such as their personal savings, business credit cards, PPP loans. All of us, we know the drill here. A majority of SBOs anticipate that the operational changes they made in response to the coronavirus will continue beyond the pandemic, specifically enhancing their sanitation practices and building out a digital sales strategy. Regardless, entrepreneurship is on the rise and it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Today, nearly 40% of the workforce is made up of freelancers, temps, independent contractors, and solopreneurs. And a growing number of millennials and Gen Zers are becoming solopreneurs themselves. 61% of independent millennials are planning to stay independent as solopreneurs. So how do you successfully lead your business through COVID-19? How do you turn a seemingly unsurmountable challenge into an opportunity? And how do you start planning for the new normal when the future is still unwritten? Thankfully, I'm joined by a particularly savvy businesswoman who can help me answer all of these burning questions, Ellen Marie Bennett. Ellen is the founder and CEO of Headley & Bennett, the leading Los Angeles-based culinary workwear brand and author of Dream First, Details Later, which aims to empower readers with the tools they need to bring their boldest and best ideas to life. So without further ado, let's welcome Ellen to the work party. Hi, Ellen. Thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to work party. Thanks, ladies. So good to see your face. I know. Same, same. We've known each other for a really long time. So I'm really excited to dive into all things Headley and Bennett. So you took obviously your side hustle into a thriving business. And now Headley and Bennett makes aprons and culinary workwear that outfits hundreds of thousands of home cooks all over the world. And I know you have big plans even beyond that. So before we get into the business of it all, I want to throw it back to the start and learn a little bit more about how Headley and Bennett came to be. It was a very serendipitous moment that I will never forget ever because it was wild and crazy and insane. And basically I had had the idea. I'd been thinking about it. I wanted to have really great gear for the kitchen. I was working as a professional cook. Uh, and every day I was trying to become a chef. My path was like, I'm going to own restaurants one day. And as with any journey, you have an idea and then life happens. And then the journey sort of shifts and pivots and adapts. And I ended up being like, wait, these uniforms suck. I'm working at this restaurant. I love cooking, but I don't know if I want to do this forever. And somewhere in all of that, this giant opportunity presented itself. And it went a little bit like this. I was standing in my chef's kitchen and he's like, Hey, there's a girl. She's going to buy apron. She's going to make aprons for us. And I was like, I blurted it out before I could even stop myself. And I was like, chef, I have an apron company. I'll make you those aprons. And I had no such apron company. I had literally nothing. And I convinced him right there on the spot. His response was you're a line cook in my kitchen. Like, what are you talking about? And he gave me that order, regardless of all of that, 40 aprons out of nowhere. And that's how the company began. And from there, I just had to figure the rest out. And that is why the book is called Dream First, Details Later, because there was nothing planned. It all began and was born in the action of the journey versus the analysis before the journey. Absolutely. And sometimes that's where the magic happens, especially as an entrepreneur. And looking back, into your career, you know, you spent your summers in your native Mexico city, learning to cook with your grandma. And obviously you ended up going to culinary school after that, becoming a line cook, but tell us a little bit about how, you know, your heritage in Mexico city, your relationship with your grandma, how that sort of sparked this idea of getting into the food space in general. Yeah. I mean, I've always grown up around food. And when I was little, I would go to Mexico 
and eat beans and tortillas and run around the streets of Mexico barefoot with all of my, my friends there. And then at the same time, I grew up with an English and Swedish grandmother and grandfather, which was the polar opposite culture. And yet in both cultures, we ate and we ate a lot and we ate deliciously and it united us. And secondarily to that, it was like this smash up of ideas on one end. It was very timeless and dignified and proper. And on the other side, it was like wild and crazy and colorful. And so for me, it really inspired me to create this world around me that included both of those elements. And so Headley and Bennett is very much based on kind of a timeless heritage brand that is spunky and colorful. Yeah, definitely ties in both of those backgrounds. And, you know, you mentioned you were a line cook, but you weren't at a line cook at just any restaurants. You were cooking at two Michelin star restaurants, Providence and Baco Mercat. So tell us a little bit about how being in a kitchen and having that experience applies to entrepreneurial life. Was there anything that you had brought over from that experience going into running your own company? Oh, totally. I mean, honestly, I believe that anybody that wants to be an entrepreneur or good at anything in life should work in a restaurant. It just teaches you some life skills that are incomparable, how to deal with people, how to work under pressure, how to move quickly, how to be problem solver, solution oriented, just figure stuff out. And having worked at these two different restaurants, one was perfection. And like every meal was, you know, $700 a person. And the other one was speed. So I had speed and perfection being taught at the same time. And I really feel like I brought a lot of that to just my, my world of entrepreneurship, because when you're an entrepreneur, you're starting something new. You have no answer. You, there's no, not always a playbook and you got to just make leaps of faith all the time. So imagine you're in the restaurant and you run out of all the dishes that you're in the middle of all the ingredients are done. What do you do? You can't just like freeze and walk out the back door. You have to come up with solutions. And so it made me just very comfortable with the uncomfortable early on. And just knowing that no matter what went down, I had to push forward. And then I would get to the end of the night, I survived. So it was just like earning notches on my confidence belt, which I talk about in the book. It's like confidence is accumulated by failures and by successes of you showing up and pushing through stuff that's really hard. And then you're investing into your confidence like a savings account. Uh, so that was why I felt like restaurants were so crucial in my journey. And for people that are like, well, what if I'm not going to work in a restaurant? It's fine. Put yourself in situations that are complicated or difficult or uh, new jobs that you've never done before to learn and be out of your comfort zone. That is where you learn. That's where the mental muscles stretch and then don't stretch back. Before we get into that next topic, I want to talk about one of today's sponsors, Pevolve. I am so excited to share Pevolve with you guys. It has become one of my absolute favorite new fitness methods. Not only has Pevolve kept me moving for the last few months, but it's also the reason I've learned so much about my body and what it needs for the best results possible. Unlike traditional fitness, Pevolve approaches fitness from the inside out. The method combines dynamic joint movement with patented resistance-based equipment to activate and strengthen your muscles and move your body the way it was designed to move. Their approach is the reason I feel so open, mobile, and strong every day instead of run down, depleted, and sluggish. And Pevolve's equipment is truly unlike anything I've ever used before. 
Everything was designed with results in mind, like the arm toning P-band, the glute lifting P-ball, and the core sculpting P3 trainer. My personal favorite has been the P-band because it's easy to travel with and bring on the go. No matter which piece I'm working with, I can always feel my muscles really light up as I'm moving through every rep. What I love most is how easy it is to access everything from the equipment to the workouts and expert tips from trainers. They have three different locations across the country, Chicago, New York City, and my home city of LA, where they're safely offering in-studio or outdoor classes. Or if you're still home like me, you can recreate the studio experience in your living room or bedroom with Pvolve's live virtual studio. The live virtual studio is the best way to experience these incredible workouts if you're missing the infectious energy of a fitness studio and lets you connect face-to-face -face virtually with your trainer to get real-time feedback and form corrections. I've also really loved having access to the digital library where you can access so many different varieties of classes like their signature workout, strength and sculpt, or a faster-paced cardio burn. Here's where you get to filter classes by length, equipment, body focus, and so much more to find exactly what you're looking for. There are so many options. I never get bored and feel like I can always find the right workout I want on any given day. So if you want to give Pvolve a try, go to app.pvolve.com activate and enter code WORKPARTY for 30 days of access to their on-demand platform and live classes. That's app.pvolve.com activate. This workout has been such a game changer for me and my body. And now I'm excited to let it do the same thing for you. Cut to you have this conversation. You're like, let me make your aprons. He's like, great. You make the 40 aprons. Clearly they're a success. Tell us about the step after that. How did you know you were going to leave your full-time job and launch a business? What were the steps you took? You self-funded the business. Tell us a little bit about how, what that all looked like. Yeah. By the way, Jackie, I literally didn't land that first order. <laughs> I delivered them and I was called into the chef's office 24 after hours after I delivered them. He's like, Bennett, these aprons suck. And I was like, what? I just put my entire like world on the line. And he said, the straps aren't working. I don't like how the, the top part fits. And in that moment, I was pushed into another moment of uncomfortableness. And I said, chef, don't worry. I will fix them for you. Give me half the aprons and I will fix those and I'll return them. And with basically a gun to my head, I had to come up with a solution that to this day is the way that our straps are made. So we use this like beautiful webbing, brass hardware. They're perfectly adjustable. They lay flat, they look great and they fit any size body, but it didn't land. And that's the thing. It's like, I had more times where things didn't land than when things landed. And yet I was just so passionate and excited about this concept of, all right, I'm not selling an apron. I'm actually selling an attitude of like, you're going to look awesome. You're going to feel awesome. You're going to do the part. And so when that happened, I thought, well, I need to get through this and then I'll get to the next place. For a second, I didn't even think like, oh, this is the end. I better call it. I was just like, I got to fix this and keep going. Absolutely. And that's the mindset you really need as an entrepreneur. Like not everything's a, a home run, you know, even with Crate and Cultivate, everyone was like, oh my God, you're so successful after like our 75th event, but it was the 75th event, you know? And you're exactly. like, yeah, we really messed up the first 75 and like, <laughs> here we are. Um, but I think that's so true. And I'm, sh I'm sure you learned so much from the feedback that you got early on as you were starting to make your incredible apron. So, so many of our listeners are considering a pivot from a traditional career into their passion, especially right now, but are oftentimes scared to make that leap. So can you take us back to that light bulb moment for you? How did you make the pivot and what advice can you share for others who want to maybe switch lanes, but are nervous? Totally. In my case, I actually kept both of my jobs at Baco and at Providence. And 
essentially hustled in the mornings and on the weekends. And I would clock into the restaurant at three. And so from 8 a.m. to 2.30, I was running around having aprons made, meeting chefs, visiting people. And I had no resources. As you said, I was totally bootstrapped at the beginning. And I ended up bartering a lot with people for skills. So if I didn't have dollars to pay for a pattern, I would essentially tell people I'll cook for them in return for getting that pattern that I needed for the apron. And then I'd get my pattern and I'd go to somebody else and I'd be like, I'll cook for you too. If you can sew me an apron with this pattern that I now have and just getting really crafty and something I talk about a lot in, in dream first details later is like focus on what you have and not what you don't have. And that's a way to just kind of re ignite your energy towards the things that you do have control over versus the things you don't have control over. Oh, I don't have a loan. Well, I don't have investors. I don't have this. And you're just making all these reasons up. They're just not the only thing in the room. What about the things you do have? And by doing that, it kept making me be like a problem solver versus a problem, right? I just kept coming up with reasons how I could fix it. And that helped me keep the business rolling And I invested every single penny back into the company. So at the beginning, I didn't take a penny for, I don't know, two, three years. And I kept, I kept my day job. And those are ways that people, when they're starting to do something, they're like, I don't know if I should do it. You don't have to cut everything cold Turkey and just go do it. You can transition. That's totally okay. That's what I did. And then the business started to get enough kind of velocity that it, it made sense, but it was absolutely a breaking point that I finally left those other jobs. I just didn't, even though I was only making like $10 an hour, I didn't want to let go of that safety net. Yeah, no, fair enough. And I, I totally relate to the favor economy. I definitely couldn't cook for people, but I definitely found other ways. I was like, I'll help you with your branding. I'll make your website. I'll do like whatever yeah. it takes. It. And, and truly that's what kind of what it is at the very beginning of your career. And then you get to pay it forward later on, but let's get into 2020, obviously an insane year for everyone. Many business owners adopted creative and innovative strategies to navigate the challenges of the past year you being one of them, which I'm excited to get into, but in Bank of America's fall research, they found many business owners stayed open by implementing enhanced safety measures, changing their primary revenue stream and shifting to more digitally focused strategies. And I'm curious to know about how you were able to do that in your own business, because I remember in the early days of COVID, you know, we all were kind of following each other and being like, what's what's going on? And then you made a quick move. So tell us a little bit about that and how it paid off for you. Yeah, no, I mean, I pretty much did exactly what Bank of America was researching. It was essentially turn everything digital, take everything online. You know, our business before COVID was 50% restaurant consumers. So that meant B2B, going to chefs, talking with them, working with them, outfitting their, their spots. And then COVID hit and all of that came to a screeching halt. So 50% of our company just like froze overnight. And the other 50% was direct to consumer, it was online, but we had had this goal and idea of being more direct to consumer than not. And so it was really like a kick in the pants to push ourselves into this new uncomfortable zone of doing that flat out. And within 24 hours, uh, just to note, we also changed our revenue stream and we did that really quickly. And we decided to make face masks using our 16,000 square foot factory in LA as the beginning place to do it. And we switched supply chains. We changed everything. We took materials in the factory. I 
FaceTimed a friend, a mutual friend, Dr. Bobby Bones. And uh, I was like, face masks. What do you need? What do you hate? What do you love about that? How can we make them better? And what, what is the thing that's going to make these like nice and fitting for you right now? Because it seems like the world needs them and our community needs them. And so he explained over FaceTime and my sewing team standing behind me figured it out. And the next morning, this was on Friday, the day of the shutdown in LA, the next morning they went live on Shopify and we put them up. They started selling like crazy and they were a buy one, donate one model because I knew that we couldn't afford to do this on our own. We needed to help our community, but our community needed to help us with this as well. So for the first month, two months, every single mask was shipped to frontline workers, hospitals, children's hospital, you name it. And, uh, and then we started shipping them to everyone else. And to date, we've made over a million masks. And that is just like so wild. To say that loud. Very similar to your story early on where you're like, we need aprons. We need cool aprons. Wait, there aren't any cool aprons. I'm going to jump in and make cool aprons. Masks. There's a shortage of masks. I have a 16,000 square foot operation with sewers. I'm going to make masks. And it's that type of mentality of like, jump in, make it work. Who knows if it'll hit or not is what I think makes entrepreneurs successful. So looking at, you know, obviously last year, what are some of the key lessons you learned, you know, through that journey and that kind of craziness of entrepreneurship that you'd like to pass on to fellow female business owners? Obviously there's a surge right now in women opening up small businesses coming out of the pandemic. Obviously the fact that things are direct to consumer online makes things a lot easier. You don't need a brick and mortar to go launch a business. So what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out on their journey of entrepreneurship? Well, I think for one, it's a great time because we've never had such a big reset, like what we just all went through and a lot of old school, traditional structures disappeared or fell apart, like monopoly type businesses crumbled. And so this is the opportunity. This is the time to say there's a window in here, a small window where I can come in and take a piece of that pie of opportunity and do the thing that I want to do. And so if you've had ideas or thoughts about stuff, you're like noodling on, if you've lost your job, if you don't have the stability you used to have, well, this is, this is your own kind of kick in the pants and wake up call to say, okay, what if I try? And then if you think, well, what if I fail? But what if you don't, what if you take that chance and you just say, all right, I'm going to show up. And then I'm going to start showing up again and again and again. It just takes action. That's really what it is. It's like getting out of your head, showing up to the thing and then showing up tomorrow and then showing up again when they say no. And when they say no again, going left instead of going right, because right is where they said, no, you just have to keep finding ways to push in the direction of where you're trying to head. And the most curious, persistent people I know yourself included are the ones that make it because a lot of people throw in the towel when they hit a wall, when they hit a no, when something doesn't go right, they're like, "Mm, this is too hard. Maybe I just better go get a job. That's like secure and safe. There's nothing safe about starting a business. Right. And so that knowing all of that, you just proceed anyway. Hey, Work Party listeners, before we dive into the next topic, I want to give a shout out to one of today's sponsors, Pvolve. I've been doing Pvolve for about six months now. And so far, I truly can't say enough about this entire method. It's all about building your body up through dynamic joint movement and patented resistant based equipment, which doesn't just help tone and sculpt your entire body. It 
also helps you feel energized in your everyday life. What I love most about Pevolve is how versatile and accessible it is. I can pour my morning matcha, log into the app, and find a quick cardio workout or something slower paced, whatever I need, depending on the day. And Pevolve's equipment is truly unlike anything I've ever used before. Everything was designed with results in mind, and they have so many different options for working both upper and lower body, light and heavy ankle weights, hand weights, and ankle bands. But the three pieces I'm most obsessed with are the P-Ball, P-Band, and P3 Trainer. All three help me feel the deepest muscle activation I've ever felt and let me hone in on a really specific area of my body. I know how hard it can be to find a routine that sticks and even harder to find one that actually works. I knew I found something special in P-Valve after started seeing changes in my body after just a few workouts and how much better I felt moving around in my day-to-day life, no matter how stressed, tired, or burnt out I felt. I'm certainly not alone in feeling this way. 97% of women feel healthier after just four weeks of P-Valve. I mean, come on. Get started with P-Valve today and work out with me. Go to app.pvolve.com slash activate and enter code WORKPARTY for 30 days of access to their on-demand platform and live classes. That's app.pvolve.com slash activate. See you there. I want to talk about the book, Dream First, Details Later, How to Quit Overthinking and Make It Happen. So I remember, I mean, I don't even remember now with COVID what year it was, but you were like, I'm going to write a book. And I remember you talking about it and then seeing it come to fruition has been awesome. So tell us what we can expect in the book and also would love to hear from you, you know, the process of writing the book, putting down all of your thoughts of running a business, having done this now successfully, you know, what did you learn about yourself in the process? It was actually very hard to write a book. I had no idea. I feel like you and I talked about this. I was like, oh, it's going to be amazing. We're going to share our story. It's going to be like maybe a year, three and a half years later. I was like still writing it in COVID. But what's cool is the last chapter is called Wake Up and Fight. And that's what we call the mask initiative. Mm. So wake up and fight, you know, seems appropriate. Uh, But yeah, the book is like super, super colorful. It's one of the first books that Penguin Random House has done in full color. Wow. I did it that way because business is not black and white. So why are all the books black and white? Like I wanted to show the highs, the lows, the bad and the good. And I'm very honest. This is not a, this is not a book about like, look at how successful I am. If anything, it's like, look at how many times I failed and then still got up and kept going. And you can do that too. And you too can make something out of nothing. There's a lot of little like infographics that I laid out on just how to set up a team, how to grow a team with plants, you know, cute. (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah. Adorable. You know, I launched it while it was still COVID. So it was kind of wild to not have that face-to-face experience with people. But the biggest takeaway that people are having is just, they, they read the entire book and they're like, you reignited my willingness to try. And that is like so profound on so many levels for me. That is what I wanted for people to take away was the attitude. It's not the script of this is how it's done. Because if I was saying, here's the script of how it's done, I would be lying because every single person has a different journey they're going to take. And something that works for me or for you isn't maybe going to work for them. And so it's just like, here's the gusto you need. You got to solve a problem. You got to be passionate about it and you got to be persistent and resilient. And when the hockey sticks come to the face, take them like a champ (laughs) back up and keep walking as women. We need to do that. It's being more objective and less 
emotional about yeah, it. Yeah, don't back up is my favorite thing. Just take the hits. Ugh. And they keep coming. That's the fun yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, um, you're like, <laughs> Let's talk about Hedley and Bennett. I mean, so obviously so much more than aprons at this point. You guys have done so many incredible things. And one of the things you do extremely well is your out-of-the-box collaborations. You've collaborated with Vans, Madewell, Parachute, Rifle Paper Company, so many more. Tell us a little bit about your strategy for partnerships, how you got such incredible brands on board and what's the next evolution of Headley and Bennett? Yeah, totally. I, I have a whole chapter in the book where I literally break it down for people, but I would say the kind of special sauce and magic that it takes to make a good collaboration is it has to be genuinely, there has to be some connection between you and the other company. And I like it when the other company is the opposite of us in the type of thing that they're bringing to market. So which Vans was a perfect example. It's like, we're an apron company. They're a shoe brand, right? And we got together and we made a chef shoe. It was so cool for people to see that because it was like two best friends getting together and dating. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, that's amazing. And it's so unique that it shocks you and it makes you go like, wait, what? That's cool. And that's what the world wants more of, right? They want unique, different, cool experiences. So if it's just kind of like the same thing that somebody else did, it's not exciting. And then I'd say, like aligning yourself with brands that have similar type values. Like they're a very heritage style brand. Rifle is very heritage. Madewell is very heritage. And so we align ourselves with companies like that. Like, I don't think I'll ever do, you know, no, no, nothing against them, but like, I don't think I'm ever going to do a collab with somebody like H&M, right? Like I'm not into fast fashion. That's not what we're about. We're about quality and longevity and having cool stuff that lasts for a long time. So those are just some of the, the basic tips. And then the way you kind of, bring them in is you bring something different to the table than they bring. If both partners deliver something unique, you will both win. Mm. If you're just trying to get something out of a partner without you giving anything, that's just not fair. It has to be even on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. I think you guys do such a great job at that for sure. You know, obviously you've evolved beyond aprons and you've done a ton more products and transitioned to direct to consumer. What's next for Headley and Bennett? And I'm also curious because I don't even like, I know who's Headley. <laughs> Girl, we've known each other for like eight years. You don't know who I'm I feel like I know this answer, but for anyone who doesn't know, tell us the the origin of the name as well. I will I shall remind you because I love you. <laughs> Headley was my English grandfather. Okay, that's right. That's right. Scientist, super smart guy in like the English side of the house. So yeah. I love it. That was that was Headley. We are in terms of Headley and Bennett in the future. Now that we're 80% direct-to-consumer, that pivot of face masks led us to become 80% direct-to-consumer because all these people at home were cooking. They wanted to wear our gear while cooking. So it, it was a very big switch for us. And now we're learning this whole new universe of performance marketing and analytics and data and all this stuff that's so different from mm-hmm. you know the world of B2B business. And so it's a new adventure. It almost feels like we started a different company within our own. And the humility attached to that is big because man, there's so much we got to know that we don't know every day. And then on the product side, we're extending into everything kitchen gear. So all the things you need and nothing you don't for a kitchen so that when you put on your Headley and Bennett apron, then you can have your Headley and Bennett cutting board and your knives and like 
all the gear so that you're kind of complete. And it's all through the lens of chefs with that quality and that curation that doesn't overwhelm you with like, oh, you need 250 items for your kitchen. That's not true. So Headley and Bennett is here to steer you in the right direction. How exciting. Oh my God. I can't wait to see what you guys do. That's, that's amazing. And one of the things I love about you is that, you know, this is your first company, right? You started this company, you've grown this company, you're now scaling this company. How do you stay motivated? What excites you? And how do you, like you said, there's a lesson in humility. Obviously you're hiring a ton of people now and have a big team behind you, but how do you keep up with leadership and knowing what to do and taking the next big steps? Do you have mentors? Like, do you have a career coach? Like, how do you sort of dive into that? That's such an important part of this journey because you almost stop the growth of your business if you're not willing to evolve with it. And I've definitely been in that place before where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm slowing this down because I don't understand certain things. We have an executive coach that not only works with me, but works with my entire leadership team. So we're all kind of running in the same direction. We have quarterly offsites where we get together and talk about like, what are the priorities? If the team starts to get overwhelmed, like we have too many initiatives, we press reset and we pause and we come together and we're like, all right, what are we doing too much of? We need to trim this back. And that happens constantly. Like you constantly have to trim, trim, trim when you're just starting to get a little too excited, too many shiny objects in the room. As a once young grasshopper, now I'm like 33. I feel like I'm going on 85, (laughs) but I still have an inclination to go after shiny things. And I know it's like, it's my strength and my weakness. And so I just have to like check it with my own, you know, I go to my CFO and I go to my chief growth officer. And I'm like, okay, here, I have an idea. What do you guys think? And they're like, well, here's the things that we will stop doing if we do this. And I'm like, damn it. (gasps) But that creativity and the shiny object is like what keeps you exciting and interesting and keeps the company creative. So you got to have that too. It's checks and balances for sure. A hundred percent. You need the art and you need the science. It's a little bit of both, but you got to be willing to let go of a little bit of the art to let the science push the business forward. Sometimes that's, that's why the details later part is there not detailed. Never. This is important people. It's important. I've learned, I've learned, I've learned. (laughs) Eventually you have to read the fine print. That is very true. Well, you've done it very successfully. It's awesome to watch. We're going to wrap with some sentence finishers. Does that sound good? Okay. I love it. Bring it on. The three traits that got me to where I am today are grit, resilience, and humility. The best career advice I've ever received. Say, please say thank you. And what do you think? Ooh. My favorite guilty pleasure meal is oh spaghetti bolognese or Annie's mac and cheese orange edition shells. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, the last three restaurants I couldn't stop thinking about. Ooh, okay. Uh, I love Dear John's in I think it's Culver City. It's like a red sauce Italian spot. Amazing. I'm very very deeply in love with tacos right now. Like very in love with tacos. So there's like a little tiny hole in the wall food truck in Boyle Heights that I go to. I don't even think it has a name. It's like in a tire, tire truck establishment. I'm like, okay. Um, and then the third one, what's the third one? Oh, hippo in Highland park Mm. has a Pomodoro sauce pasta. That's just like cooked down tomatoes. So the tomatoes are sweet and then tons of basil cooked into it and really al dente pasta with a ton of Parmesan cheese on top. And I'm like, so you're, you're a pasta oh, and gal. peaches, peaches. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, yeah. Clearly, I just named out a lot of pasta. Pasta and tacos and peaches. Peaches are my current pregnancy desire at the top of the list. Oh my goodness. That's so funny. I got a peach gift box. I'll have to send you the name of it. I forget what it's called, but it's like these, they come like individually, like those are the most beautiful peaches I've ever seen. And I did a peach burrata salad combining two of your favorite Yum. things, I think. So yeah, we, we're going to have to get that for you for sure. And final question, success to me means? Success to me means getting somewhere and being willing to go to the next somewhere and not just sitting on the success that you got to, but that, that leap of faith after you've made it in something and then the willingness to go to the next thing and create something out of nothing is such a beautiful feeling. I truly, I feel like this hits home for you too, but just seeing it in your head and then bringing it to life is so fulfilling and I love it. And every time I do something big or the company does something big, I'm like, yay. Okay. What's the next big thing we're going to build. And, and I just like want it more and more entrepreneurs. I feel like, and founders love the journey to get to that place. But then when yeah. we were there, we're like, but what's next? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's so fleeting. It's like two minutes. You're like, cool. We built a 16,000 square foot factory. Cool. We took on that. Okay. We did that. And then what's the next adventure? Yeah. Well, we know your next uh, adventure, baby. Very exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. Tell everyone where they can shop Headley and Bennett, buy the book and follow you. Yeah. You should a thousand percent get a Headley and Bennett apron or our face masks. Now that we need to wear masks again, they're very beautiful and very fitting. Headleyandbennett.com, H-E-D-L-E-Y-A-N-D-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. And then at Headley and Bennett on Instagram, on TikTok, our TikTok is ridiculous and so much fun. And you can learn how to basically cook anything through that channel. And then my personal one is Ellen Marie Bennett, where you can follow the adventures of my pig, my chickens, the factory, myself, all, all of the above, a lot of speedy cooking videos. Love it. It's very, it's very good. Your crazy, colorful, and amazing life. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Mwah. So good to see you, Mama Sita. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. bye. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you enjoy today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. And if you're interested in creating your own podcast or want to know the ins and outs of the business of podcasting, we've teamed up with the Lady Gang to bring you The Pod Class, a comprehensive guide that covers everything from planning your content to sourcing guests to becoming your own in-house producer and so, so, so much more. All are available for purchase on the Create and Cultivate website now. That's createcultivate.com. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party.